everybody doing today? Everybody doing good? Thumbs up? All around? Okay, nice. Very good. I'm excited about this remodel. Anybody with me? Anybody excited about it? Y'all excited over here? Okay, I see you back there. You look excited. I'm excited. And so, uh, yeah, um, this is a family affair, right? This is a family affair. So if you can get involved, I know we've been hitting this. Uh, get involved. Uh, take some time and be a part of this uh, demolition uh, because soon our sanctuary is going to look off the hook. Everybody say off the hook. Can y'all say that? It's going to be off the hook. In Spanish, we say off the gancho. Okay, so you can say that if you want. Um, all right. So we've been doing this. Um, we've been doing a series. This is actually the sixth week. This is the final um, preaching of this series. And anybody been enjoying this set sail six-week series that we've been doing? And since, since this is the last one, I wanted to give you just a recap of what we've been hitting um, with our set sail, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, so some of this may, uh, you may remember this and it may be familiar to you. Uh, but our first week that we started, we kicked off the series, Pastor Steve talked about the importance of leadership. You guys remember that? And he, called, he, he talked about, um, he let us know, he, he shared that God has called all of us to lead, right? Whether you are in, uh, you know, a leadership, a pastoral position, or a staff member, it doesn't matter. You know, whether, if you're a follower of Christ, God has called you to lead in the world. Okay, for our second one, Pastor Dave hit the importance of mentorship. And um, what he talked about is finding those people around us that we can invest in, right? Those around us that we can pray and ask God, God, who do you want me to invest in? Who do you want me to, to help to build up, right? That's mentorship. For our third one, our next ship, Pastor Steve gave us all freshly baked cookies. Y'all remember that? Okay. I saw you guys smiling that day. You guys were eating those cookies. All right. He gave us a recipe we can follow in doing what the Bible says and make disciples. Because God has called us to do that. On our next ship, Pastor Jim talked about the importance of, anybody remember this one? Stewardship, that's right. Taking what God has given us and using it for his kingdom and for his glory. Last week, Pastor Steve talked about the importance of fellowship, using the one another passages in the Bible, showing the importance of unity and fellowship in the body of Christ. And let me tell you this, um, you know, one of the great ways that you can um, get connected um, and fellowship uh, in this church is through life groups. Everybody say life groups. If you are, if you are not uh, connected to a life group, um, if you know somebody that's not connected in a life group, I want you to point and stare at them. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> we don't want anybody to leave. But um, I want to encourage you today, guys. Um, we, we had an awesome life group fair that we kicked off. Um, but this is one of, the, one of the best ways that you can get connected with other people in this church uh, is through life groups because it's a small it's a small group where you can really dissect the word of God, ask questions, uh, and just connect with people. And, uh, and it is of God. Do you know that? It is of God because God called you to connect with people, right? He didn't call us to be lone wolves and, and do this by ourselves. So I encourage you, um, don't wait till tomorrow. Um, there's our life group tables out there. Get connected. Get signed up today. Amen? All right. Today we are going to study, we are going to look at worship. Worship. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 16, and we're going to read verse 16 through 36. And when you have it, I want you to say, amen. amen. Yeah, I don't have it yet. You can't say amen yet. You got to wait till you find it, then you say amen. amen. <laughs> I'm just playing. Let me hear an amen. amen. All right, there it is. Amen. 
Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had the spirit by which she predicted the future. And I want to let you know this is Paul speaking in the book of Acts. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city in an uproar. By advocating customs unlawful for us, Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Last verse here. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your presence in this place this morning. Lord, we pray, God, that we would open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Lord, I pray, I thank you for your word, God, and I thank you that it's a guide. Lord God, in this world that we live in, Father, I pray today that you would open our ears. Father, we pray against any distractions this morning. Lord God, I pray that we would receive your word, God, and that it would change our lives. And our lives would be transformed. We thank you and we ask you this today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I want us to look at this situation before we kind of brush by to the, to the good part of the story, right? We've heard this story before. And we know how it ends. We know that God took this situation uh, that, was, that started out bad. And he turned it around for the good. But uh, before we get to that part where Paul and Silas were singing and, and worshiping God, I want us to dissect what's going on here. Because I want us to look at this, all right? Uh, looking at verse 19, let's see what's going on. Verse 19 says, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace, all right? Sometimes we read these kind of things in the Bible and we just skim by them so fast. But for a moment, I just want us to stop and absorb it. Because this, this is uh, Paul and Silas weren't doing anything wrong, right? They were doing what God had called them to do. And you know that even though uh, you may be doing what God calls you to do, right, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any problems. You're not going to have any difficulties. But these guys were obeying God, and it says that they seized Paul and Silas, all right? You know what a seize is, okay? It's not like, hey, come on, buddy, let's go over here, let's go to the park. No. They, they grabbed them, and they seized them, and they dragged them to the marketplace, Right? They didn't escort them. They dragged them to the marketplace. Okay? Let's keep going here. Let's see what's going on. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men 
and Jews are throwing our city into an uproar. Go ahead to the next verse. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Let's see what else happened. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Okay, this thing is escalating, right? I just want us to wrap our mind around what's going on here. Okay, so there's a couple of guys that dragged Paul before the magistrates. But and then all of a sudden, the crowd begins to join in. All right, and they start yelling and saying, you know, I don't know what they're saying. Probably, you know, and, and, and so this started to escalate and grow. And there's Paul and Silas before the magistrate dragged, seized, crowd yelling at them for something that they didn't do. They didn't do anything wrong. Okay. And the magistrate ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Okay, so they took these rods, and right there in front of the crowd, in front of the magistrate, they started to beat these guys with these wooden rods, okay? They stripped their shirt. I mean, this is, this is not only physically uh, abusive, but it's mentally, it's embarrassing. That, you know, they're ashamed. They got stripped of their clothes, and they were beaten in front of this whole crowd, okay? After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. All right, let's go to the next one. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So not only were they beaten and stripped and embarrassed in front of this crowd, but then they were thrown in prison. And not only, you know, uh, on the side, you know, of the prison where you can kind of look out the window and see what's going on, but they were put on the inner part of the prison. It was dark and coldest. And then on top of that, their feet were put in stocks so they couldn't even move. You guys following me so far? Do you see this situation? And, you know, I don't think Paul and Silas woke up that morning after they drank their coffee, brushed their teeth, and, you know, I don't think they thought that that was going to happen that day. I don't think they thought, well, you know what, this day is, is, is going to be a horrible day. We're going to get beaten and stripped and thrown in jail. They didn't wake up thinking that. But sometimes difficulty and, uh, and trials come our way without us even knowing it, right? It catches by surprise. This wasn't the best day for Paul and Silas. I don't think there are many in this room who can say they have gone through a situation similar to this. But I do know that there are many in this room who have gone through situations where maybe you felt like your life was over. I know there are some in this room that have gone through situations that have shaken your life and, and, and your foundation to its very core. If you haven't, there's a chance that maybe sometime soon you might go through a life-altering situation. And I don't want to be a, a doom and gloom preacher, but I just want to share the reality of the situation. Are you ready if that day comes and when that day comes? Because it doesn't announce itself, does it? You don't wake up in the morning and, and all of a sudden you hear a voice and says, this is going to be the most difficult day of your life. But we have to be ready when those days come. What is our response going to be? What is your response going to be? I want to look at that this morning. I want to look at Paul and Silas's response in this situation. But before we look at that, I want to say this. What's in you will determine your response. Y'all get that? What's in you will determine what your response will be. Have you guys ever heard that uh, a slogan by Gatorade? Anybody know what it is? That slogan that they put on commercials? Anybody know? Go ahead. Call out. Is it in you, right? Go ahead. Throw that slide up. 
kind of looks like this. This is Gatorade. And what are they saying? They're saying, man, if you drink our, our product, if you open a, a bottle of Gatorade and you drink it right before you play sports or do some kind of athletics, you're going to be off the hook on the floor, right? If you're playing soccer and you drink a thing of Gatorade, you just go, 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 close it up, throw it on the floor, you get on the field, you'll score 14 and a half goals, right? Just crazy stuff. Doing all these moves and, okay? I mean, you, you'll be mind-blowingly, you know, uh, amazing in whatever sport you do. So some of you guys are like, oh, man, I want my, I want my son to be amazing in sports. And so I'm going to give him a bunch of Gatorade and just fill him up, and he's going to do his thing on the floor. But let me tell you, that's not really how it works, right? If, you're, if your kid is not good at soccer, then he probably won't ever be. <laughs> you're like, Dad, Pastor Moses. Yeah, that, that's probably the reality of it. Uh, if, you're, if you're wanting to be really good at basketball and you get all the gear and you got the headband and the, the cool shoes and the night, you know, and you get on the floor and you're not really good at basketball, it doesn't matter how much Gatorade you drink, you, you won't be good. Okay, that's how it goes. But my question is, what are you filled with? What are you filled with? Because what's in you will determine what your response will be when tragedy or difficulty knocks on your door. What's in you? There's something in all of us. Are you filled with God's presence or are you filled with something else? And I was thinking about this morning. I thought about it. This uh, Ron Canoli, you know, made this song uh, and he said something like this in the song. There's no demilitarized zone. You're either on God's side or you're not on God's side, right? There's no in-between. So you're either filled with God's presence or you're filled with something else. And see, we need to check ourselves. But what's in us will determine our response. If I'm Paul or Silas in this situation, I'm physically, I'm, I'm emotionally spent. My back is still bleeding from the beating. I'm in maximum security block. I'm upset with the mob because they dragged me and seized me and beat me. And God didn't seem to prevent this situation from happening. I'm not sure what my response would be. You know, I want to say today that if I was in that situation, you know, if I was the third wheel with Paul and Silas and I was just hanging with them and, and went through all that, I don't know what my response would be. I would want to believe that it would be, you know, a good response and I would trust in God. <laughs> but maybe if I was there, the passage would read something like this. Around midnight, Moses was mad. Hopeless and started griping about all his circumstances. I don't know. But I love what Paul and Silas's response is. You know what? Let, before we go there, let me tell you this. There's a difference between your reaction and your response. You know that? And here's what I mean. Uh, when we hear bad news, you know, I, I would want to tell you today that when I hear just life-altering bad news... That I, my hands go up, I'm in the middle of the doctor's office, and he tells me something that I don't want to hear. My hands go up, and I just say, Jesus, thank you. I don't know if, that's my, if, if my reaction would be that. Right? You see what I'm saying? Um, but your response is different. Your response is different. Because I think after the smoke settles and you kind of get, get, you know, get a clear mind and, and, and get a grip, um, our response is, is what happens next. We either get mad and, and, and start saying, God, why did you allow this? Or we say, God, I'm going to trust you. I don't, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why this is going on. I don't know why the doctor just told me this. I don't know why this is happening. But God, I'm going to trust you. See, that's what I'm talking about when I say your response. See, we have to say, God, let my response be to worship. 
Help me to trust in you. I love Paul and Silas' response. Throw that verse up there. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. See, there's no guessing as to what was Paul and Silas were filled with, right? They were filled with God's presence. And what came out was supernatural. It was God. It was God. Because what's in us will determine what our response will be. Okay? I imagine it like this. I imagine it like this underground water in the desert, right? Underground water in the desert. There, the water's there, but you can't really see it, can you? Right? You need, you need it when everything else is used up. If you're in the desert and you use up all your water, your canteen's empty, then you, you start looking at that water that's underground because you need it because you used up everything else. The water's there, but you can't see it. It's available, but it's under the surface. See, even though on the surface, Paul and Silas had nothing to give, when you're filled with God's presence, it's like this underground water reserve that comes up and takes control. You see what it is? When we're filled with God's presence, even though we're physically, emotionally spent, we have nothing to give. But that's when the spirit of God takes over because you're filled with his presence, with his spirit. It's like this underground water reserve that just rises up in us, even though we don't plan it or, or you know, tell it to do that. But it's, that's God's presence in our lives. So what's in us will determine what our response will be. I want to tell you this also. Someone is always listening to your response. You know that? Someone is always listening to your response. Again, our verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Uh-oh. I know some of us here maybe have not made, had the best responses sometimes, right? Yeah, we're guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. But I want to tell you today that somebody's always listening to what your response is. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your coworker, whether it's your neighbor. Uh-oh. <laughs> Don't go there, Pastor Mosey. Whether it's your children, somebody's listening to your response. And let our response be something that would be an example to those around us. Let our response be something that would be a witness to those around us. I have two little ones right now. One's two years old, about to be three, and the other one's one. And they're just all over the place. I love them to death. But you know what? My life will never be the same because my kids are always watching me. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to be honest with you, and I want to let be a little transparent. I get mad sometimes, right? I do. <laughs> Pastor said amen. I get upset sometimes. Things bother me. But you know what? what? What my response is is what I need to be careful because somebody is always looking at me. Stacy, what's that saying again? What's that saying that you said first service? Do what I do. Do as I say, not as I do, right? We don't want to tell our kids that. Do as I say, not what I do. But we want to tell our kids, do what I do. Follow my example. Because somebody's always watching our response. What's in us will determine our response. Amen? Is it in you? Is God's presence in you? The second thing I want to look at is perspective. Perspective. And we're still talking about worship this morning. 
But let's look at, I wanted to look at the definition of what this means, and I thought this was pretty cool. And this is kind of just one long sentence here, so everybody's going to have to put their thinking caps on and just follow along. You guys ready? Okay. This is what perspective is. It's the art of drawing solid objects on a two-dimensional surface so as to give the right impression of their height, width, depth, and position in relation to each other when viewed from a particular point. That's what perspective is. If you look at something from a particular point, it can change your perspective, right? If you look at something in a different angle, it can change your perspective or review on something. You, have, you ever had somebody say to you, this happens to me sometimes, uh, especially living in California. I haven't, you know, I've been here six years, but I haven't really gone just to all the cool places that all the cool Californians have gone to. They're like, yeah, have you gone here? I'm like, I don't know what that is. I mean, and so, you know, sometimes somebody will come to me and say, hey, have you seen this, this awesome mountain that's over here and blah, blah, blah. Or they'll say, oh, you know what, Check, go to this park or this canyon or look at those trees. They're so big and wide. And, and uh, they're like, yeah, it was the coolest thing I ever seen when I went there because the trees were awesome and so big. And, and so, you know, me kind of being curious, I'll go on Google and I'll look up those trees. And when I look at it, I'm like, hmm. I don't know what they were talking about. That doesn't look all that good. You ever, you ever done that? Is that just me? That you just, you know, you, you look at somebody, describe something, you look at something and you're like, why were they all going crazy about that? You know why? Because you weren't there when they experienced it, right? Your perspective is different because you actually didn't experience it. You weren't there to see it and see how big and majestic and great it is. See, let's, look, let's, let's take this a little deeper. I have a picture here that I, wanna, I want to throw up real quick. Go ahead and throw that picture. Do you see this right here? This is a picture of Yosemite, and it's El Capitan. This is the, the mountain right here, okay? Doesn't look, doesn't look too impressive, right? Kind of small. You don't really get a, a good description of what this mountain looks like. Uh, go ahead and throw that next picture up. Boom. Okay, we're, we're, we have a different perspective now, right? Uh, before, because the picture was so small, we didn't see these guys right here. These are actually climbers. They're hikers. And they're climbing up El Capitan, right? So we get a better understanding of how big this mountain is, right? We get a different perspective because we see these climbers and we compare it to the mountain and we see this mountain is pretty big, okay? Go ahead and throw that next picture up. This is El Capitan in full view, right? We can see how big and how mighty this mountain is. When you look at things in the right perspective, you can truly understand how great, how big and majestic something really is. Y'all following me so far? It's all about perspective. One thing I noticed in my life is that when I get into an emotional or spiritual slump in my life, it's usually because I've so zoomed in on my current situation, my current problem or dilemma so much that I can't really see anything else. I've so zoomed in that everything else is hidden. I can't see because I'm focused on that. In the words of Qui-Gon Jinn in Star Wars Episode 1. I love it. You guys ready for this? This is him speaking a little Anakin, right? A little Darth Vader before he turned into Darth Vader. He said, your focus determines your reality. Come on now. <laughs> You're like, that, that was the best thing you said all day, Pastor Moses. Your focus determines 
your reality. I want to I uh, take this a little further and show you what this means, okay? Sometimes life happens. It throws you a curveball. You don't know what's, what to expect, what's happening. Uh, and, and you get overwhelmed by the situation, by the dilemma, by the, by the trial you're going through. Go ahead and, and zoom in on me, guys. <laughs> there we are. Go ahead and zoom in on my nose. Come on, Ryan. Help me out, bro. How's that look up there? I'm not going to turn around and see. It's, it's getting a little closer. Hallelujah. Sometimes life happens. Difficulties happen. And this is what happens. This is our response sometimes. We get so zoomed in and focused in on the dilemma that we can't see anything else. That all we see is our situation and we start crying and screaming and get overwhelmed and we don't know what to do. What happens? What, 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 what do we need to do when this happens? When we get so zoomed in, what do we need to do? Zoom out. We need to zoom out. And you know what? I found that the best way that I can zoom out is by worshiping God. You know that? You need to zoom out and gain some perspective. In my life and experiences, the best way that I've found to do that is by worshiping God. Because when you worship God in the middle of your situation, you begin to see God in a little bit of a better light, right? You begin to zoom out of your situation and your little mess that you're in, and you begin to see God the way he is, right? I begin to worship. Everybody say, just worship. Just say, just worship. Listen to what happened here. It says, about midnight, go ahead and throw that verse up. Paul and Silas, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. They began to worship. See, I don't know how many hours Paul and Silas were in jail. It says about midnight, they started to pray and worship. In other words, they took their eyes off of their situation, gained some perspective, and focused on something greater. God, and they began to worship, they began to worship God. Listen to this. When you change your perspective, you stop focusing on what's wrong with your circumstances, and you start focusing on what's right with God. Let me say that one more time. When you change your perspective, you stop focusing on what's wrong with your circumstances, and you start focusing on what's right with God. See, some of us need to do that, don't we? We need to move away from our circumstances and focus on what's right with God. For me, sometimes the way I do it, when I find myself going through a slump, I just start singing worship. I just worship and I say, Jesus. That's my, one of my favorite songs when I find myself going through a difficulty. I say, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that song because it just it puts my attention right on Jesus I stop looking at my circumstance and I look at Jesus and whether it happens right away or not but it begins the process of me zooming out and focusing my attention on Christ kings and kingdoms shall all pass away but there's something about that Jesus, hallelujah. I don't know if you're going through a situation this morning, but maybe today is the day that you gain some perspective. 
Look at how big your God is compared to your situation. Think about how God did it before and he can do it again. I love, I love the word Ebenezer in the Bible. If you, if you look at it, it says God did it before so he can do it again. He brought me up to this point. So I'm going to trust in him. We need to worship, worship, worship. Just worship. Everybody say that. Just worship. No matter what, what song, you know, maybe you're a new believer, you're a new Christian, and you're like, I know one and a half songs, Pastor Moses. Well, who cares? Sing your one and a half songs. You're the name above all names. If that's the song you know, then go ahead and sing it. Just worship. Just worship. What I love about worship, some of you guys are like, well, Pastor Moses, I don't have, I don't really have a good voice. So what do you recommend? You know what I love about worship? Check it out. God wired all of us to do it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you're wired to worship. You're wired to worship. You don't have a great voice. You know what? If, if you needed a great voice to worship, uh, then there would be a little bit of a problem because we would have ushers at the door right back there. And uh, before you came in the church, we would be like, all right, go ahead and sing name of all names. Oh, sorry, sir, we have a code red, and can you please escort them off the premise? That's not how, that's not how it works around here. You don't need to have a, a voice. You don't even need to be, uh, have a pitch. You can be tone deaf, and you can be an awesome worshiper because God wired us to worship. We can lift up the name of Jesus. We can say, God, I worship you. Lord, I lift you up. I praise you. I exalt your name. See, you're zooming out of your situation. You're gaining perspective and you're lifting up the name of Jesus. God, I worship you because you are worthy to be praised. See, we don't even need to sing. But we can if you want. You, you can do, you just, you lift up your voice in faith and you begin to exalt his name. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. We can all worship. Worship is zooming out and refocusing on the big picture. It's focusing on the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for the penalty of my sin. It's refocusing on the fact that God unconditionally loves me when I least expect it and deserve it. It's refocusing on the fact that I have an eternity with God to look forward to in the place where there is no mourning or no sorrow. Just worship. Everybody say that. Just worship. Just worship. In the middle of your situation, in the middle of your trial... Just lift up the name of Jesus in whatever way you know how. Just worship and you'll begin to zoom out and focus on how big and strong and mighty our God is. There's nothing impossible for him. Just worship. I love what Paul said in Philippians 4.8. Listen to how Paul talked about and described perspective. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is what we need to do in our difficulty. We need to think about how God did it before. We need to think about how God blessed us with children. That's what I think about. We need to think about how God blessed us with a job, how God blessed us with a home, how God blessed us with this wonderful church where we can gather with the saints and lift up the name of Jesus. Think about the good things that God has given you in your life. And you'll begin to zoom out and focus on God. It's perspective. 
Perspective is no longer focusing on what's wrong with your circumstance and focusing on what's right with God. Everybody say, just worship. Come on, say it again. Just worship. Just worship. Last thing I want to look at today is the result of worship. The result to worship. Verse 25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Go to that next verse. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all of the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I want to tell you this morning, I want to just get to the, I want to get to my point on this last one. When you worship, you invite God in your situation. That's what it is. Let me say that again. When you worship God, you are, you are giving God a green light. You're saying, God, I want you to come and inhabit my situation. I want you to come and inhabit my praise. See, when Paul and Silas uh, uh, took their focus off of what they were going through and focused on God, that's when God showed up, didn't he? Because when you worship God, you are saying, God, I want you to inhabit my praise, inhabit my situation. And that's when God shows up and shows out. The supernatural happens. And God does his thing. Mark Batterson, the author and pastor, uh, in one of his books wrote two things. He said, you know what, there are basically two kinds of people. Okay? You may agree with him or not, and, but this is what he said, and I want to say it. He said, there are complainers and worshipers. What <laughs> sums it up. He said, it's, it's pretty simple. Complainers will find something to complain about. If you go through a situation... Uh, you know, a complainer would just start griping. Oh, my goodness. Can't believe this. They parked their car in front of me. Oh, my dog is, oh. But, you know, we'll just uh, complain. Worshippers, they'll find something to praise God about in the midst of that situation. It's, it's your default setting. It's, it's just your default. But you know what? I don't know about you, but my prayer is, God, make me a worshiper. Make me a worshiper that no matter what happens, God, that I would say, God, I trust you. Come on and say that this morning. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my situation. There's always something you can praise God about. Your worship changes the spiritual atmosphere. Even in your difficulty, your worship, your worship changes the spiritual atmosphere. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for God to come in. And inhabit your situation, your praise. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. First thing we saw is that our response is what's in you will determine your response. So let's fill ourselves this morning with God's presence. Perspective. When you change your perspective, you stop focusing on what's wrong with your circumstances. And you start focusing on what's right with God. The result, what's the result of our worship? Our worship changes the spiritual atmosphere. When we worship, when we worship, we invite God's presence into our situation. I don't know about you, but I, I need God's presence in my situation. I need God's presence in my life. Come on and throw your hands up right now, guys. Let's just say, God, come, come and inhabit my situation. Come and inhabit my life. God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this on my own, God. 
I don't want to do this on my own. I need you this morning. Come on and cry out to God. Say, God, come inhabit. Come inhabit my situation. I believe that there are some people here today that need a breakthrough in their life. I believe that there are some people this morning that need a breakthrough in their life. And I believe that worship is the path to your breakthrough. Let me say that again. I believe today that worship is the path to your breakthrough. Come on and stand up, church, if you're able to. We're going to worship God this morning. I believe that God is going to break situations in your life this morning. I believe that you're going to experience a breakthrough because you are going to fix your attention on God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to invite you this morning. If you're going through a difficulty right now, if you're going through a situation that you know needs a breakthrough, I want you to come up to this front area right here. And, uh, and I want to invite you to just worship God. Come on, if that's you, don't hesitate. Don't wait. If that's you, if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you're struggling with something, I believe today is the day of your breakthrough. I believe today is the day that God is going to break through in your life, that your focus is going to change. Hallelujah. Come on, church, just begin to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Come on. Just lift up the name of Jesus. We're not, I'm not going to pray for you this morning. We, just, we are going to just worship God. We are going to just do what we learned about today. Do what the Bible says, and we're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, church, just begin to, to exercise your faith this morning. Come on, just begin to lift your voice and worship, whether you can see or not. Come on, just worship the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. church right now is the time to take a step of faith come on do something you've never done before 
do something you've never done before. Whether that's lifting up your hands or lifting your voice. Come on, just sing your own song this morning. Just lift up your own words in worship. Just sing out, I worship you. Hallelujah. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. 
Father, we pray for breakthrough this morning. Lord, we pray for breakthrough this morning. Father, we bind and rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that all fear would be gone. We bind and rebuke worry and anxiety, God, in this place. Because anxiety has no place in your presence, God. pray your faith would arise in the church this morning, that your faith would arise in the body of Christ this morning. We would put our trust in you. Thank you for coming. 